opposite Franz was occupied by a magazine with the picture of a breathtaking girl, and at a window in the corridor, his back to the compartment, stood a broad-shouldered man in a black overcoat. The train was now going fast. Franz suddenly clutched his side, transfixed by the thought that he had lost his wallet, which contained so much, the solid little ticket, and a stranger's visiting card with a precious address— and an inviolate month of human life in Reichsmarks. The wallet was there all right, firm and warm. The old ladies began to stir and rustle, unwrapping sandwiches. The man in the corridor turned and, with a slight lurch, retreating half a step and then overcoming the sway of the floor, entered the compartment. Most of the nose had gone, or had never grown. To what remained of its bridge— The pale parchment-like skin adhered with a sickening tightness. The nostrils had lost all sense of decency and faced the flinching spectator like two sudden holes, black and asymmetrical. The cheeks and forehead showed a geographical range of shades, yellowish, pinkish, and very glossy. Had he inherited that mask? And if not, what illness, what explosion, what acid had disfigured him? He had practically no lips. The absence of eyelashes lent his blue eyes a startled expression. And yet the man was smartly dressed, well-groomed and well-built. He wore a double-breasted suit under his heavy overcoat. His hair was as sleek as a wig. He pulled up the knees of his trousers as he sat down with a leisurely movement, and his grey-gloved hands opened the magazine he had left on the seat. The shudder that had passed between Franz's shoulder-blades now tapered to a strange sensation in his mouth. His tongue felt repulsively alive, his palate nastily moist. His memory opened its gallery of waxworks, and he knew, he knew that there, at its far end somewhere, a chamber of horrors awaited him. He remembered a dog that had vomited on the threshold of a butcher's shop. He remembered a child, a mere toddler, who, bending with the difficulty of its age, had laboriously picked up and put to its lips a filthy thing resembling a baby's pacifier. He remembered an old man with a cough in a streetcar who had fired a clot of mucus into the ticket collector's hand. These were images that Franz usually held at bay, but that always kept swarming in the background of his life, greeting with a hysterical spasm any new impression that was kin to them. After a shock of that sort, in those still recent days, he would throw himself prone on his bed and try to fight off the fit of nausea. His recollections of school seemed always to be dodging away from possible, impossible contacts with the grubby, pimply, slippery skin of some companion or other, pressing him to join in a game or eager to impart some spitterish secret. The man was leafing through the magazine, and the combination of his face with its enticing cover was intolerably grotesque. The ruddy egg-woman sat next to the monster, her sleepy shoulder touching him. The youth's rucksack rubbed against his slick, sticker-mottled black valise. And worst of all, the old ladies, ignoring their foul neighbor, munched their sandwiches and sucked on fuzzy sections of orange, wrapping the peels in scraps of paper and popping them daintily under the seat but when the man put down his magazine, and, without taking off his gloves, himself began eating a bun with cheese, glancing around provokingly, Franz could stand it no longer. He rose quickly, 
He lifted like a martyr his pale face, shook loose and pulled down his humble suitcase, collected his raincoat and hat, and, banging his suitcase awkwardly against the door jamb, fled into the corridor. This particular coach had been hooked on to the express at a recent station, and the air in it was still fresh. He immediately felt a sense of relief. But the dizziness had not quite passed. A wall of beech trees was flickering by the window in a speckled sequence of sun and shade. He began tentatively to walk along the corridor, clutching at knobs and things, and peering into the compartments. Only one had a free seat. He hesitated and went on, shaking off the image of two pasty-faced children with dust-black hands, their shoulders hunched up in expectation of a blow from their mother right on the nape, as they quietly kept sliding off the seat to play among greasy scraps of papers on the unmentionable floor at the passenger's